1: These are the conditions here. He needed joy and hope and cleansing and forgiveness and acceptance. And he wanted to feel wanted. He wanted to feel adopted. He wanted to feel companionship and that he was not going to be forsaken. And he wanted to feel protected and somehow justified and comforted. He needed peace. He wanted to be loved. He wanted to have some confidence of the future. He wanted to feel secure. And he wanted a community to be a part of. See, this is his condition, these are his needs. These are the needs that he came and he came with when he found Rachel. And he said, Oh now, this girl, girl of my dreams, I just met her. And she's gonna take care of all my needs. See, think of this like a big bag, you know, that he's coming and he finds Rachel and he says, Here, take my bag and fix me. So he goes and he finds Rachel. And that just doesn't work out well. When any man comes with a bag of needs and puts it on a woman and a relationship and says, now, this is me and this is my need, so fix me, that just inevitably, as it did in his case, result in tension in him being disappointed and him being frustrated. This is his life. This is the life of Jacob. But what's happening here, and the great news is, is that in this chapter, it's all going to change. Because now, Jacob is going to go to God. Jacob is going to be forced to God. And with all of his needs, he's going to find all these needs met. And that's going to bring Jacob calmness and satisfaction and contentment. That's what's happening in this chapter. This chapter is where Jacob will look to God to meet all these needs. And this is going to result in what he's always been looking for. You know, when I was in high school and and when I was in junior high and high school, I had two best friends. We were three. We were the three Jewish musketeers. (laughs) We did everything together. You know, that's what we were. And then I got sent off to boarding school in Switzerland and never had contact again. Well, recently, after 50 years of not seeing each other, after over 50 years, I reconnected with one of my best friends last week we got together again and found out we both were married he said he found the only girl that was jewish in pasadena (laughs) i said i found the only girl that wasn't jewish in my circle (laughs) anyway we both lost our wives to cancer and the question was we were talking about whether or not we were going to get married again we were just having fun like we were back in junior high and high school again you know clowning around that's what we do you know did i mean you know the waitress comes to the restaurant and i said you know look at us two guys over 60 that can't find a job you know (laughs) he's a lawyer anyway just clowning around but you know but but the question came whether or not we're going to get married again and when i told him i didn't feel the need to get married again you want to know why and so at the restaurant i drew that on a back napkin and told him you know when i was 15 i had all those needs I had all those needs. And they only intensified and got stronger and stronger as I got sent off to boarding school. And let me tell you, there's another place where a boy that's Jewish should not be found, and that's in a boarding school in French part of Switzerland where all your teachers are from Libya and Morocco and Algeria. You know, that during the Six-Day War, they want Jewish blood. Anyway, so I told them how I brought all of these needs into the marriage and stressed the relationship. Because only God can meet those needs. And to expect a relationship to meet those needs is going to result in Jacob's outcome. And then I explained that in the first year of our marriage that I met God. And at first it was, oh, hello, God. You know, you, you know, don't really know him real well. And that was like Jacob meeting God at Bethel. It was also religious. And then as time went on, the religious became Real. And then the real became vital. And that's why I don't feel the need to get married again. But this is what's happening here to Jacob in chapter 32. When Jacob met God in chapter 28 at Bethel, it was so religious. But here in this chapter, the religious is being transformed to real and that to vital. And it all changed for Jacob as he met this man in verse 24. And discovering who this man is, Made all the difference in the world to Jacob, because in verse twenty-four the text just calls him a man, Ish, just a man, but in Hosea chapter twelve verse four he's called an angel. Hosea of twelve four. Yea, he had power over the angel. Prevailed. He wept. Made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us. The Hebrew word for angel, as we've seen before, is Malach, and that word means a messenger or an ambassador. So first. Jacob sees this person, he just sees a man. Then he understands this person is a messenger or an ambassador for God. And finally, the end of this chapter in verse 30, Jacob understands and calls this person, this is none other than God. So we saw how this person, this man, wrestles with Jacob. Jacob thought, boy, he thought to himself, you know, I thought I had all the problems. I thought my adversary was Esau. But now I'm not fighting with Esau. I'm fighting with this man. And he learns that, boy, my real adversary right now is not Esau. It's my real adversary is this man who's wrestling with me. So he learns, Jacob learns that before he can overcome his problem with Esau, he's got to first overcome this man who is God. And at the end of Jacob's life, Jacob credits this person, who Jacob calls an angel, as the one who redeemed him in Genesis forty-eight sixteen. He says the angel which redeemed me from all evil. So that means that this person who Jacob is calling this angel is actually the angel of deliverance. So what Jacob's doing here in chapter 32 he's wrestling with the angel of his deliverance. He's wrestling with the with the only person who could deliver him. And the big question, the big question in this chapter is what are they wrestling over? What is the conflict? The wrestling in this chapter is over where Jacob is going to rest his faith, where Jacob is going to put his confidence. Will Jacob rest his faith in his own power as he has, in his own experience as he has going forward? Or will Jacob rest his faith in something new which is going to come in this chapter, which is a new, living, intimately personal relationship with God? And I mean, I see this wrestling or this struggle in the Orthodox Jewish people as descendants of Jacob. And the question on the table is, will the Orthodox Jewish descendants of Jacob rest their faith in traditions and commandments? Or will the Jewish Orthodox descendants of Jacob rest their faith in a new, living, and intimately personal relationship with God. Because that's what's happening here. The wrestling for Jacob is vital because it's going to result in a new birth for Jacob. The wrestling is vital for Jacob because it's going to result in a a new entire surrender to God. The wrestling is vital for Jacob because it's going to result in a new self-realization for Jacob where Jacob will realize and see himself as nothing. He'll see his own nothingness. The wrestling is vital for Jacob because it's gonna result in a new God realization for Jacob where Jacob is gonna see that God is sufficient for all of his needs. And at the end of this vital wrestling here, this new birth, so to speak, is symbolized in verse 31. In verse 31, where it says, and as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him and he halted upon his thigh. I mean, why does it say that? The sun rose upon him. But for meaning, it's a very important phrase in verse 31, the sun rose upon him. Why? Because that phrase symbolizes this new birth for Jacob that he's experienced at the end of this wrestling. You know, just as a baby is born on his first morning, we say to the baby, good first morning, baby. You know, this is the first day of your life. And in verse 31, verse 31, with these words, the sun rose upon Jacob, we can say, good first morning, Jacob. This is the first day of your new life. Now, we read in this chapter one of the most amazing statements in the Bible, and it's in verse 25, when it says, and when he saw that he prevailed not against him, touched the hollow of his thigh, and hollow of his thigh was out of joint, okay. So, you know, we read something like this, You can't just read some of this gloss over you. you got to stop and say, let me get this straight. When God saw that he prevailed not against Jacob, let me understand this. When Almighty God saw that he could not prevail against Jacob, that just raises a lot of questions. How could the Almighty God not win in the wrestling match with Jacob? How could the Almighty God be found in a wrestling match with Jacob, much less whether to win it or not? These are really important questions because they bring out really important truths for us that we need to let sink deep into our hearts. And it's all about this God condescension. God condescended to get in an all-night wrestling match with Jacob. God condescended to allow Jacob to win the wrestling match. Those are important truths that sink deep into our hearts because they really reveal to us who God really is who's God? So now, as if it wasn't shocking enough for us to see God wrestling all night with Jacob and not being able to prevail against Jacob, now we read in verse 25, and when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So during the wrestling match, this God-man, who he reaches down, and he touches the hollow or the socket of Jacob's thigh, I mean, he reaches down, he just touches it. He touches the point where the femur goes into the, the hip, the thigh, and he puts Jacob's femur out of joint. It doesn't say he hit the socket. The Hebrew word here is very specific in its meaning. It's the word Naga, and it's the same word. Naga, is the same word that's used in Zechariah 2.8, where it says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory has sent me unto the nations which spoiled you. For he that toucheth you, toucheth the apple of his eye. He that, naga, he that toucheth, naga, touches the apple. Of, how hard do you have to touch an eye before it winces? <laughs> you know? Not at all. You just have to just ever so gently touch it. All God has to do is just, he had to do it, just, just, just touch it, and it went, it went out of joint. David said, There was great destruction when God touched something. He says in Psalm 104, 32, He looketh on the earth and it trembleth. He toucheth, Naga, the hills, and they smoke. In Psalm 144, 5, Psalm 144, 5, Bow the heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch, Naga, the mountains, and they shall smoke. This is the touch that we're talking about here. This is the touch from God that sets hills and mountains on fire. It's just a touch on Jacob's thigh. And Jacob's femur is dislocated. What message did that send to Jacob? When Jacob saw that just a touch from this man put Jacob's thigh out of joint, that told Jacob, this man's God. This man is God. Only God can ever so gently touch a hip and it goes out of joint. And when Jacob saw that only a touch from this man put Jacob's hip out of joint, when he saw that, Jacob understood, you know, there's only one reason why I have the victory over this man. The reason Jacob understood was not at all because of Jacob's strength or his strategies, his superior strategies in wrestling. It was all because of this man's grace. It was all because of this goodwill to Jacob. And when Jacob realized that, he understood, I know why I'm not prevailing over him This is God. And the reason I'm not prevailing over him is because God's grace and goodwill. And when we see that God allowed Jacob to prevail over him, we understand how God is encouraging us to wrestle, to get engaged, to get involved with a struggle with God. For answers to prayer, for example, He wants us to not just pray but to engage in prayer, like a wrestle. He wants us to not just pray, but to involve ourselves in prayer, like a struggle. He wants us to engage. He wants us to get involved in prayer. And also, he wants us to get involved and engaged in doing great things for God. That's what makes the Christian life so exciting and so so much of an adventure. We dream big things for God, vision. We dream big things for God. We attempt great things for God. And we expect great things from God. So here's Jacob. He's got his strong legs. A man's legs are his strength. Some men. Anyway, and God said about a man's legs in Psalm 147.10, He delighteth not in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. The legs of a man, they represent his strength. And so in this wrestling match, God touches the very point of Jacob's strength. And Jacob, when he feels that, it represents his strength, his self-confidence. It represents his self-reliance. And the fact that God disabled Jacob's leg shows what this wrestling match is really all about. God wanted to break or disable Jacob's self-confidence and self-reliance. Before God did this to Jacob, Jacob would say, I'm strong in myself, and in the power of my might. But when God disabled Jacob, God was saying to Jacob, now it's time for you, Jacob, to take to heart Ephesians 6.10. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So when God touched Jacob's thigh and put put it out of joint, this put Jacob in an extremely painful and crippling state. And this is what Satan challenged God about with Job when he said to God in Job 2.5, put forth thine hand now and touch, again, Naga, touch Job, touch Job, touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. But Jacob did not curse God to his face. Why not? Because Jacob's persistence overrode his pain. This was the moment of the greatest time in Jacob's life, And it was the time in Jacob's greatest weakness. This was the time of Jacob's greatest weakness. I mean, think about that. The time of Jacob's greatest weakness is when he's crowned with this name, Israel. That's very encouraging to us because we think that, well, you know, if something happens to us and we sink into the weakness of cancer and worse into the weakness of being treated with chemo, that it's all over. It's all over. We've got to remember this time, this time of the greatest blessing that came to Jacob in the time of his greatest weakness, which is why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecution and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Paul said, I'm not going to run away from those. I'm not going to be praying, oh Lord, take that away quickly. Take that weakness away. Oh, I'm not going to run away from weakness because that's when I'm the strongest. That's what Paul said. And we can imagine Jacob here in his state of paralyzing pain. But what we see is that the paralysis that this excruciating pain caused Jacob did not paralyze his persistence. His persistence continued on. And so that enabled this complete transformation to take place. At first, it was just a man who wrestled Jacob. And Jacob was, and the man was struggling to hold on to Jacob as Jacob's adversary. Now his thigh's out of joint. He's in no shape to struggle to get away from the man. And the roles have changed. Everything has changed. At first, it was the man who was holding Jacob, not letting Jacob go. Now, it's Jacob holding on to the man and not letting the man go away. That's really some scene. I mean, Jacob in his disabled state is just hanging on, and by hanging on, Jacob overcomes the man. I mean, in his disabled state of merely hanging on, he overcomes him. He's no longer strong in himself. He's strong in the Lord. So this permanent laming of Jacob's thigh, which permanently weakened Jacob's trust in his own self, trust in his cunning, trust on his quick-wittedness, his quick thinking, trust in his cheating by his own strength. When Jacob was lamed, he learned the truth. He learned the truth. By the strength shall no man prevail. By his strength. For by strength shall no man prevail in 1 Samuel 2.9. 1 Samuel 2.9. So Jacob's saying here, you put my hip joint up out of joint? You put my hip out of joint? Look, I'd rather have all my bones, all my bones put out of joint than to go away without a blessing. So the last words we see in chapter 25 say, as he wrestled with him. This is Jacob. He's a wrestler. All through his life, he's been a wrestler. In fact, you know, we can just picture Jacob saying to himself, well, here we go again. Here I am wrestling it again. I've just been wrestling all my life. I'm wrestling another person. That's all I've done all my life. Struggle with others. Struggling with another is how Jacob was seen at the time of his birth. That's how he got his name, Yaakov. Yaakov, which is, comes from the word heel, akev in which, because in Genesis 25, you remember 26, after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's akev, his heel, and his name was called Yaakov, Jacob. It was the strangest sight for whoever saw this, that Jacob is, is born grabbing a hold of his brother Esau's heel. And so the conclusion everybody comes to us is, well, there's only one name for this baby, heel grabber, you know. It's an important word, heal, in Scripture. For example, in Psalm 49.5, Psalm 49.5, it says, Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? As David said, the iniquity of his heels shall come." Here, the heel is expressed like overreaching, you know, overstepping, where David said his heels have overstepped and caused him his sin to surround him. So heels can speak of an overreaching, and then heels can also speak of an evidence of murder, as they do in Hosea 6, 8. Hosea 6, 8, it says, Gilead is a city of them that work iniquity and is polluted with blood. That word polluted is, is, comes from heels, a cove, it comes from heels. So in this verse, the word translated as polluted is a word derived from heel, which has that murders had happened and the heels track the blood as they walk along. The heels are tracking the blood. But the classic verse, the classic verse to show the link between heels and deceiver is Jeremiah 17.9. The heart is deceitful, akob, above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So the word deceitful in Jeremiah 17.9 is the Hebrew word akob, which comes from the word heels. So Jacob's name with the word heel in it means that it's the idea of deceiver. And this is what describes Jacob's life. A life of struggle with deceit. His life has been one for where Jacob feels up for the fight. He's up for the challenge. He knows how to use deceit, overreaching, fraud. And that's Jacob's nature. And that Jacob nature is in all of us. We all have that Jacob nature in us. You know, when we're wronged, we want to fight back. That's the Jacob nature. When we feel that things have been said against us, should we want to set the record straight. That's the Jacob nature. When we feel that we got to get even, that's the Jacob nature. There's a reason why the phrase is, get it off your chest, get it off your chest, because there's that certain feeling that comes in the chest, and it says, the certain feeling in the chest says, go on, do it, say it, think it, fantasize over it, because it's your passion. And your passions are the definition of what's right. See, that's the Jacob nature.
0: Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible Scripture Journey. 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible Scripture References section, Bible Reference Help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org. friendshipwithgod.org.